Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our podcast. Um, before we get started today, I want to very quickly recognize and acknowledge a couple of the comments from our listeners from last time. Big shout out. Big shout out to two listeners. Big shout out to the two <laughs> two listeners. Well, we had more than two listeners, but well, two people commented. We did. We did have quite, quite we a had few, quite a few last time, right. so that was good. But we had two people who specifically commented, and if you remember last time we talked about uh, we started out talking about grading of homework, and then we sort of shifted into uh, grading in general. Um, Monday from Palm Springs, California, uh, wrote in and said that based on the discussion that we had, this was why he still chose to hang on to, 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 hang on to a weighted system where homework is just a small percentage of the overall grade, um, although he acknowledged that weighted systems have their own inherent problems. Um, he did also comment on the uh, extra credit issue that we were talking about, and he uh, wholeheartedly agreed with us, so thank you for that support. Um, uh, he made the comment in support of, of the argument that we were making, you know, if you'd like to bring in tissues, that's great, but I don't give extra credit for that very reason. Uh, it has nothing to do with class content, but if you'd like to earn extra credit, here's a content-related assignment. Uh, so yeah, we could not agree more. And Susan from uh, Michigan. I was going to read that one. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, well, Susan followed up with some of Monday's comments, so Kate's going to read her comments. Well, I know you like to talk, but let me talk <laughs> a little bit. So uh, I couldn't agree more with his comments, and Susan added from Michigan <laughs> that if you um, you know take a student. A body of student work, daily work, pre-test, post-test, projects, etc. Let's say there's 12 assignments, assignments, and you hand them to your colleagues during a you know a meeting and have them do the grading uh, individually, and then collect them. Uh, that this same work will result in grades from C plus to A minus, and I couldn't agree more. Grading is very subjective when it comes to the individual. And we, I believe that we always uh, look at it uh, differently. And grades are uh, deeply seated in belief systems, our own individual belief systems. And we need to engage in this dialogue as we move forward and um, become better educators. Um, and today, as we move on to our new topic, we have a special guest with us, like we said in our last podcast, that our son was going to be home for a short time. And so, Addison, say hello to everybody. Uh, hello. And uh, he is going into his junior year at Lakeland University in Wisconsin, and he's an education and a biology major. So he's going to add to our conversation as we move forward and talk about lesson planning. So, tonight, so today we're going to talk about lesson planning and sort of planning in general. And so, um, so I'm going to let... Kate sort of kicked this off and talk about planning and sort of the role that it plays and her perspective from the years uh, that she's worked in um, PK-12 settings. Well, I, I think when you look at lesson planning, there are two different kinds of lesson planning. There's the lesson planning that educators do in their book, you know, that we sketch out our week and we say, you know, from Monday to Friday, this is what we're covering, you know, if you have the times or periods down the side of your plan. Um, I think, Addison, that's something that you are becoming familiar with when you are 
you know, moving through your program. Yes, Have you yes. seen your very, of teachers? Yes, very kind of backbone skeleton of what is going on, not extremely going into detail, not overloading, but very simple on what is happening in the classroom. Right, very good. Yeah, and uh, Craig, I think you also, I know you taught, I mean, that was your foundation when you started teaching, you did the same thing, right? Yep, every, um, every weekend or week before, we had to fill out a weekly lesson plan book, mm -hmm. and every Monday morning by 9 a.m., we had to submit copies of that to the main office that went into uh, each teacher's uh, lesson plan binder that was kept for the year. Throughout the year. Can we agree that we all found a lot of value in that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I think like, like Addison said, it did a great job of sketching out the skeleton and the framework of what we were going to do uh, each day throughout that week in each class period or each class mm -hmm. session. Um, and it was, it was not necessarily focused on the details of what we were going to do, but in my case, now remember, I taught in the late 80s. We didn't have... Um, state accountability standards and and things like that that we had to teach to um, but we certainly had objectives that we were teaching to across the course and so each day in each class session I had to outline the the objectives that I was teaching to that day mm -hmm. what I was doing to try to meet those objectives and then also how I was trying to assess those mm -hmm. objectives but it was a bullet point outline at best. Okay, and so did you do this as an individual or did you do it as, as a team? And, I, and then Addison, as, when he's answering, I want you to think about your experience with your cooperative teachers. Did you, you know, what kind of role did you play and did they do that individual or as a team? So uh, We did it entirely individually. I mean, we had a curriculum so uh, I, I taught biology, and we, there were a couple of other teachers who taught biology. We all taught from the same curriculum. We all had the same student learning objectives that we were teaching through to in each unit. Mm -hmm. so, but that's, that's probably the extent of the commonality across our lesson planning. So if I was teaching you know, the first unit and the teacher down the hall was teaching the, the, the same first unit, we would be teaching to the same objectives, but not necessarily getting there the same way. Did, so. did you collaborate? No. Well, that, that's a shame. We've come a long way, right? <laughs> I mean, um, we've come a long way because no, that's not team true. planning. That, that, that's I, not true. I, I shouldn't say that. We, we did collaborate, but I, but I will freely admit that it was not the collaboration the way we see collaboration right. in schools are today. huge, which yeah. I think they nothing benefit. Like I mean, okay. we certainly had yeah. nothing like professional yeah. learning communities, you know, 30, 35 years mm -hmm. ago. Um, and, um, I, but we did collaborate. I mean, we would, we would, you know, meet informally after school, before school, we would, uh, exchange ideas, um, uh, for how we were going to do something, how we were going to do a lab, how we were going to set it up so that we were basically setting it up the same way. But again, not but every classroom was ran differently. Every classroom was run differently. Um, and I think that, that the reason that we did that was to allow every individual teacher to capitalize on the style of teaching that she or he was most comfortable with. And not to say that that doesn't happen today, mm -hmm. but I think that there's, I mean, admittedly, there's a, a, a much higher level of collaboration and collaborative professional learning and planning that goes on today than mm -hmm. what went on then. Oh. Addison, what have you experienced? Um, so during my time in a live classroom, I occurred a situation where 
every teacher in the department was given a set lesson plan. Oh. So the department head would email out, would actually send through this online site mm -hmm. that the entire school used, um, would send out these weekly lesson plans telling every teacher what video they were watching that day, what lab they were watching, what slides through the PowerPoint they were getting through every day. And through, I believe there were around, I would like to say six or seven biology teachers in this school and all of them ran through this entire skeleton exactly the same. Hmm. If, um, what happened if a period got canceled or if the lab didn't run exact? Well, then they would backtrack on it and have to quickly move through it. So then the next day, the next period, if they didn't move through everything, they would have to then play catch up. So they might not have time to get through the lab all the way through the lab. They might have to cut that short. They might have to. So some, some classes would get more than others just because they had to keep on the set yes. time frame? Yes. So okay. you, you wouldn't go ahead. You okay. would stay on track and stay on pace and in this set day and this was completely accessible not by not just by the teachers but also by the students so oh. the students were able to see what am i doing today well, what do i need yes. which yes. i that i value you know I mean, do i need my textbook today do i need my wow. chromebook today do okay. i need this so, so all of that is completely accessible mm -hmm. they would not go ahead in the lesson plan so whatever was set for that day would be mm -hmm. done and if there was extra time they would go back and review or oh, have okay. free time most of the time it was packed to the entire period, but um, a class that ran behind because of, you know, announcements, assemblies, whatever, or just simply spending more time on a lesson, on a activity, would then have to play catch up and okay. pick up the slack. Usually cut down by um, activities, labs, the time in between those would be okay. cut down. Just, okay. The well, instruction I time see, would be I the see the value in you know, letting the students see what's going to happen. I, yes. I, I mean, I, I really like that sure. aspect of that. I have a hard time um, being handed exactly what I'm going to have to, have to that, teach. Because, that was different for me. That was yeah. a, the first time that I've actually uh, interacted with that, and I mm -hmm. found that very interesting. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're, like, what um, my dad said, that you couldn't play to your own strengths as a teacher, mm -hmm. that you were told what you had to do, yeah. but... Or you had to figure out a way to make that fit with your right, own strengths, which right. for some people is not an easy skill set. But see, the not... thing about every day is that every day was structured in a way that it wasn't like you were doing one thing. So you wouldn't just lecture one day. Mm -hmm. You would have you know, 15, 20 minutes of lecture and then maybe a five, 10 minute video and then you would break apart into some small group doing some mm -hmm. kind of activity. So every day was broken up to where you had multiple aspects of teaching, multiple mm -hmm. aspects of learning, but it wasn't, it was different, it was odd. Yeah. Now this is interesting too because <clears throat> Addison has, had the benefit, I think, of having experienced um, his K-12 education in three different states, in Ohio, Georgia, and Florida. Mm -hmm. and, and especially in Florida, when he was beginning to think about the possibility of moving in a career in education, started to pay, I think, a lot closer attention to 
what his teachers did and how his teachers did it in, you know, 11th and 12th grades and so forth. And, you know, now he's in a fourth state. So now he's in Wisconsin experiencing, um, you know, engaging in his field experience and internship opportunities and seeing a different state's system for how these things are, are carried out in yeah. classrooms. Yeah. And so, so Addison, do you think that, um, I mean, is this, is do you think that the reason that this is done this way in Wisconsin because it's mandated that way by the state? No, or is this school. a particular district no, school yes. approach? Okay, it is because I've I've interacted with other schools and been in situations okay. with other schools and where it's they're not like that. They no, that. Okay. no, it's totally different district too. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Well, that that's it. Which I mean, it might be from district to district, might mm -hmm. be the same, but at least I know that school mm -hmm. is set up that way. Okay. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. So, um, so then to add to our lesson planning topic, let's talk about formal lesson planning because I know Addison, I know you are in the process of having to write those formal lesson plans yes. that are agonizing. And even teachers today who are in the classroom are required to write for formal lesson plans. And I've had the opportunity to be on both ends. I've had to write them and I've also had to evaluate them. Um, and I found both equally hard because they are time consuming for both parties. They're time consuming for the teacher and they're time consuming for the administrator to evaluate them. And I struggle with what's the purpose of them on both ends. As an educator and an evaluator, um, I, I really struggle with that. As a professional in higher ed, Craig, do you, can you provide any thought on that? Um, I, you know, they, they certainly serve a purpose, but I don't think that people do them with the intent that they have by design because I don't think that, that the level of detail is there. And part of the reason is because I think they are too, so time consuming. I know that the, the very first year that I taught high school in 1987, 88, um, I did not do the kind of daily lesson planning that you're talking about. Uh, I did the weekly plans that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. but I didn't do the daily lesson you planning. Didn't, you never had to write a formal lesson plan? Well, we didn't have to for anything official. We didn't have to turn it into anybody or Except anything Except when like you that. were being evaluated? When you were being probably, that's probably yeah. true. The only mm -hmm. time that we had to submit that was if we were being observed mm -hmm. as part of our personnel evaluation system. But I will tell you that I, I knew that at the end of my first year, or going through my first year, that I had problems with implementing my instruction the way that I envisioned it in my head. Okay, so if you would have written out the steps, you think it would have helped? So that's exactly what I did. I committed mm -hmm. myself my second year of teaching um, to, to doing that every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. And I literally did it every day. Mm -hmm. And then going into my third year, I never did it again. <laughs> and you know, it, it was helpful, but it was at the time I remember thinking that it was, it was helpful, but it was almost overkill. It was almost too much detail because Addison talked about this earlier, right? What do you do when you have a snow day? What do you do when you have, well, even though, well, you know, to, on a certain level, snow days are easy because you don't have any classes. Well, you don't have any classes. So you, you exit out on the planning sheet yeah. and you, what you were supposed to do today, you do tomorrow. 
But what really would throw me off was when we would have altered schedules at the high school level where sometimes we would not have morning classes because of a special event or an assembly, uh, or our classes would all be cut short by 30 minutes. So now we only had 20 minutes to teach each class, which clearly meant I was not doing everything that I had laid out in detail that I was supposed to have 50 minutes to do. So um, I did it and, it and it was helpful, but I think I, it forced me um, to be flexible and adapt more than I had to the year before because when I had a general outline in my head, it was easier for me to adapt. And um, so should I have done it my third year? Probably, but I think that because it was so labor intensive and so many times, especially during certain periods of the year, so many times things just got thrown out the window and I had to scrap them and, and ad lib and wing it anyway. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that was frustrating. And I know that those, even in, in the situations that Addison was describing where so many things are almost dictated and spelled out for you that things happen that cause frustration for teachers and sometimes they're left wondering why did we spend so much time planning out with such specificity mm -hmm. when we aren't doing this anymore anyway. Yeah. So. Addison, your thoughts? Um, so during my time in my education classes and my practice classes, I was never taught how to do a skeleton. I was only taught how to do a formal lesson plan. Oh, okay. So for every lesson that I ever taught in an education class, it was always formal. Huge. Huge. Pages. Three, step by step. three four pages. Okay. Almost including. like a script. Yes, yes. You know, all the, you know, checks, summative checks, formative mm -hmm. checks. Mm -hmm. And it was, it got to a point where I'm just reading off the page. I'm not oh. actually teaching. Okay. I'm this is the state standard we're going to talk about right now. Mm -hmm. And then this is what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to ask you this question because I need to make sure that you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to hand these papers out to you right. because I'm my script Because that. that's what I'm told to do. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it gets to a point where you can't do it anymore, where you just kind of have to teach and you can't go step by step by step. And I've been counted off and deducted points because I didn't, do this summative check because okay. I wrote it on my formal lesson plan, handed it, it into my professor go. and I just, I got mm -hmm. in a flow. I was going and it was, it was a great lesson. It was a, mm -hmm. you know, interaction between students and mm -hmm. myself were great, but I just mm -hmm. never got to ask that question. Yeah. And I think putting so much pressure on mm -hmm. the fact that you have to follow the step by step is mm -hmm. just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I agree that it serves a purpose because I think a lot of us need, you know, we have that thought process, but until we actually write it down, it's hard to implement. Yeah. But then Addison, I think sometimes you forget to implement right. because you get caught up in the moment right. and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys, because I know that people in my current line of work um, get slammed all the time because of our supposed lack of formalized planning. And I know that Kate and I have had this conversation before where she's asked me if I do lesson plans for teaching 
my courses at the university level. Baha. Baha. Sorry. <laughs> and, and to an extent I do, but certainly nothing like what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So for the last probably seven or eight years, I've taught predominantly doctoral level courses. And um, do, I, do I write lesson plans? No. I mean, if I showed them to Kate and I showed them to Addison, they would say, this is not a lesson plan. And I would totally agree. Now, I know what my objective, what my learning objectives are for the course. Mm -hmm. And so what I tend to do is I write outlines of things that I want to cover in a lesson. Or if I'm teaching online, what I want to cover in a week's module. But, but that, isn't that the weekly planner that teachers put on well, their yeah. desk? I, yeah. mean, it's, so... I mean, really, truly, it's not that different from what I did in 87, 88 with my weekly lesson plan book where I basically bullet pointed things yeah, that I sequence. needed to talk about yeah. and things that I wanted to make sure that I addressed, make sure that I hit on. Um, and to be honest, I've, I've, I've taught this content now for so many years that I don't feel that I need to put every single bullet point that I know the things that I want and need to talk about. Um, so yeah, I have, I have uh, you know, a, a two or three page outline for a three hour class, mm -hmm. but it isn't a detailed conversation of, you know, the, 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 all of the points or all of the learning objectives, mm -hmm. but certainly the things that I want to hit yeah. on. So, so there is planning that goes on certainly, Absolutely. but nothing like, you know, no. what we're talking about. Um, and, and I would venture to guess that that's probably the best case scenario for many of my colleagues probably. who teach in colleges of education. Mm -hmm. They're great examples. Because I, well, <laughs> because I think that many of them probably don't even do planning to that extent, right. to be honest. So I guess it all depends what purpose they serve. Um, when I was evaluating lesson plans, one of the, there were two frustrations. One, I didn't get, I didn't have the time or I didn't take the time to actually evaluate them and give them enough attention when I should have because they should be evaluated when they're turned in. Yes. I mean, otherwise, what's the purpose? You know, that that lesson is being taught, I need to evaluate it. I didn't, I didn't take the time because I had other things to do. You know, it's just, it was, if in, if I could do it over again, I'd do it differently. But the other thing was that I saw teachers who could write beautiful lesson plans. They knew how to talk the talk, but put them in front of a classroom and they couldn't implement that lesson to save their lives. Those poor kids suffered, but yet here is this beautiful lesson plan. Exactly. And I've seen, I see the same thing in higher ed all the time. There are some people who can, who can plan and come up with these great activities and then I see them in front of graduate students and it makes me cringe mm -hmm. because they don't have the kind of rapport with students. They don't get the kind of respect from students because of the approach that they're taking to delivering that content and those skills. Mm -hmm. um, um, and but then again, on the other hand, we have people who couldn't write a lesson plan to to save themselves. But oh my gosh, put them in front of teachers. classrooms, yeah. and they're amazing people. And they mm -hmm. connect with kids, or they connect yeah. with with college age students. It doesn't make mm -hmm. any difference. They're they're making that connection, and they're very effective mm -hmm. at what they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've 
you know, we, we had the, the pleasure a couple of years ago of being able to um, watch a videotape lesson that Addison taught yeah. in an education <laughs> course to some of his classmates. So, you know, we've, we've all done that before, right? During your pre-service teacher education program, you have to come up with a lesson and you teach it to your fellow classmates and you engage them in an activity and so forth. And, you know, I remember thinking back and watching that, that Kate and I both thought, you know, there's, there's some degree of natural skill and ability that our son demonstrated. I mean, he certainly wasn't flawless in, in delivering that, mm-hmm. you know, very first lesson that he ever planned and yeah. taught. But there were so many things in there that just were, were very natural and, and he was comfortable. He I mean, was, it was, he it was, was nice. very comfortable. It was, it was, we were very proud to watch him. He was very yeah. comfortable. Edison, do you have anything to add? Because before we um, close out, I, I completely agree with the fact that you have a difference between being able to teach it and being able to plan it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've had some professors who every single day have to walk in with this big binder that has lesson plans that they probably wrote 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bring this in every single day. They have to open it up and unclip it and pull out. And they're this yellow. Lesson plan. Oh yeah. Okay. And pull out this lesson plan and sit this down beautifully on the mm-hmm. desk and they sit there and it's some of the most agonizing 55 minutes right. of my but life. But they're plants. Right. But then I have some professors who walk in and go, this is our starting topic. I have no idea where we're going to end uh-huh. and let's talk. Yeah. And that was some of the best yeah. interaction that I've ever had mm-hmm. with an educator. Yeah. You know, I actually felt like I was engaged. I felt like I was learning, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. even though there wasn't a set plan for what we were going to talk about that day. And it completely goes. And then, I mean, you have some that can do both and you have some that can do neither. Right. And <laughs> That's true. At all you, levels. I will just say real quickly that. From the student perspective, you may not have thought that there was a set plan, but I'll bet that there was some kind of plan in in that professor's mind about where this probably was going to go, and was going to use that as an op, as a, as a teaching opportunity, as a, as a learning opportunity for students. So I'm not saying that's the same thing as planning, the same thing as formal planning, yeah. but I think good, um, experienced, effective teachers even though it's not written down on paper, they, they know their students well enough, they know the content well enough, that when those two things mix, oftentimes they're gonna have a pretty good idea of where this is gonna go. So while your professor didn't know exactly where that conversation was gonna so end. So maybe the examples, but the concepts. Exactly, yes. exactly. He, he had an idea of where it was gonna go, mm-hmm. and, and he was gonna help lead that conversation, not necessarily direct it to where he wanted it to go, but he was gonna facilitate it, wherever it happened to yep. go, bringing in certain points along the way. And I think, to me, that's, that's the epitome of an effective teacher, because that's a teacher who's capitalizing on the learning experiences of what the students are bringing into the classroom as well. I agree with that. You know what, on on that note, I think we should wrap it up and encourage our listeners to give us some feedback, their thoughts. Uh, You can post them right on, you know, if we post it on Facebook or you can post it right there or on Twitter and on LinkedIn. So please provide feedback on what you think about uh, lesson planning and your experiences, good and bad, and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'd like to thank our special guest, 
uh, for this episode, our son Addison. Say Thank goodbye. you. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.